Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ray and Kay today talking sports with friends. Sports radio on the dial. Check us out. We'll make you smile. And they spit it, don't play. And we're talking nothing but the NFL and NBA. MLB, college football, college basketball, some tennis for y'all. A little bit of golf, maybe some hockey. Don't you understand? We'll bring back Rocky. Let's start the show. Let's start the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor. Let's do it. It is Monday, a wild and fun sports weekend. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, shoot us your emails, Today at gmail.com. Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us. You know the drill. Also, check out RayandTayToday.com. So much, Ray, to talk about NFL, college, baseball, the final week, baby. October is almost coming. Uh, I'm excited. But I want to ask you, Ray, after watching Sunday Night Football and the referees just yucking up and making it an ugly, unwatchable game, side, sidebar from that, right? Is this Broncos defense maybe the best that Manning's ever had and possibly the one that can lead him to the John Elway type of Super Bowl win? Well, remember that John Elway won a Super Bowl because Terrell Davis was in his prime and John Elway had passed his prime. (laughs) (laughs) So he doesn't have – you know, I'm looking at that roster, and I don't see Terrell Davis on that roster. I tell you what, a couple of things came out of that game. One is that defense is special, and, and you you might be absolutely right. That that defense might be L, uh, Elway. Marine, Elway Marino. <laughs> Manning's best. But the other thing, and actually Tony Dungy said it after the game, and I agree with him 100%. They are not going to be able to win close games in the playoffs with Manning doing the same thing he does, which is the which are these medium passes to yeah. you know, a couple of receivers. They really have to diversify that offense and maybe Manning doesn't have the best arm and maybe they have to go play action and maybe they have to do a little deception, but you can't they basically run the same plays and the same sequence of five, ten plays and it has a different variation, and, and you're really relying on Peyton Manning to outwit and outthink and out-execute all the time. You need to change something a little bit. So, yes, best defense he's ever had, but they actually have to make – I'm actually more worried about them on offense. When, would you, when did you think you'd say that about a Peyton Manning team? So the defense is doing its share. The offense needs to start doing it, pulling its weight. I was impressed, though, with – I'll say this, Manning, that touchdown to Owen Daniels was poetry, how he shifted over and moved the line. I don't think, if we're being honest, and we love Montana, Marino, Elway, Brady, no one at the quarterback position is smarter than Peyton Manning. In-game managing, reading defenses, he, he's, he's the top there, Ray. I mean, it, it, it was beautiful. He to is. See. 
and it's been 35 years maybe, 30, 35 years since they let the quarterbacks actually do things on the field. You know, except for maybe an audible at the line of scrimmage. So Peyton Manning, not only is he the smartest that we've seen in this generation, but he also does more than anybody has at the line of scrimmage in decades. So he takes a lot more on his shoulder, and he does a lot more. Now, all of this may be to compensate for the fact that his arm hasn't been you know, it's probably been in the in the bottom half or maybe the bottom third for the last five years at least. But give him credit. I mean, this guy's a magician at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and, and I'll say this last thing. Every once in a while, though, he still throws like a little little bomb or a little something down the field just to keep you honest. I I appreciate that, but you're right. He doesn't have that. It's all inside, right? He's not throwing a 15 yard down and out. He'll get picked off. He doesn't have the arm strength for that. So. Very, very true about that. Look, not much to talk about in the afternoon. Uh, Seattle, we knew that. The Lockett kid is special. Lynch should be okay with the hamstring. Poor Bears. And and, and staying with that, the Bears, Ray, they <laughs> – yikes. So they trade Jared Allen, who wasn't a fit for Foxy's defense. But he – how happy was this guy be today, right? And this is, you know, a potential Hall of Famer. Now he could go back to playing the right defensive end, take Hardy's old spot. He goes straight to the Panthers for like a seventh round pick or whatever. And he goes to the 3-0 and Panthers from the 0-3 Bears. Uh, was it Christmas in September for uh, Jared Allen or what? For everybody. And and they're paying most of his salary too. So uh, so the Panthers are just loving life right now. Jared Allen's loving life right now. And I guess Chicago wanted a new start. You know, when you're 0-3, there's no reason to have, uh, what is he, like a 12-, 13-year vet on your team making $12 million. So it feels like that was a great situation. And you don't usually have those in-season trades in football Especially nah. with, like you said, a borderline, you know, Hall of Famer changing teams three weeks into the season. But you know what? Good for the Panthers. Quiet is kept. They are piecing it together. You look at that team, and you know me. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan. But you better start the, the, the I'm sorry letter, though, Ray. Cause well, he's doing I have him on my fantasy help. team. I have him on my fantasy help. team. And he got busy for you in fantasy. He did. He did. But, again, you know, Greg Olson is on the downside of his career, still producing. Um, Funches and Benjamin were out. And the running game is pieced together. You know, Jonathan Stewart and a bunch well, of other guys. Well, imagine him talent. That's what I'm saying. He has no one. He's throwing he to really Corey does. Brown and Jericho Cotchery. He has nobody. Who, at best, are third receivers on you know on on good on bad teams and maybe fourth receivers on good teams. <laughs> no, it, it, so, just, it shows how great he is, Superman, Ray. He he really is Superman. He is. Let me ask you this. Uh, Let me ask you this real ahead. quick about about the uh, bear the Bears. Now look, we we know about Big Ben and the injury, and we'll talk about that when we look at the Steeler game a little bit. Very sad, especially for me as a Steeler fan. Fantasy fans are going crazy, but. In Chicago, boy, you really miss Jay Cutler, right? I mean, you want to hate him, but then when you lose him, there's no way on God's green earth, Ray, that Jimmy Clausen should be one of the top 64 quarterbacks in the NFL. He is horrible. He should not be a backup. I'm sorry to say that. 
I, I don't. I, I can't even fathom that. Wow, this that's harsh. Too. They're coming from Tay. That's Tay laying down the law. I'm, okay. I gotta be honest. That that was. It's it's just pitiful, pitiful. Before I I, I can't I, watch. I, I hate to say this, but Tim Tebow's better than Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. Right now, granted, he runs a different style, but Tim Tebow would give you a chance to win games, and I, I totally agree with you. Jimmy Clausen doesn't give you a chance to win games. I mean, this cat wasn't even that good at Notre Dame, so I don't know what he's doing as a number two. Now, if he's your third-string quarterback and you're carrying three, that's fine. You know, run the scout team. But I agree, you know, the that's Bears had McCown, and the Bears had some good, oh. good, some good backup quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, once Jimmy Clausen's in the game, you have no chance. And then Alshon Jeffries is down, and obviously Brandon Marshall with the Jets. So, Chicago and the rookie, is, Kevin White. We don't know if he'll hey, ever make it back this season. Ugh. Yeah, and Kevin White is, is basically a 2016. I think Forte is going to get out of there, Red. His career is just think? being wasted. Forte is such a talent, and I think he's a free agent after this year. He's, he's out of there. He's out of Chicago. Not only that, but when you're a running back on a bad team, that's not uh, good. That just means you get hit even more. I <laughs> mean, you just get – just get abused. And like you said, he, you know, we talked about him. He's a three-down back. So he's the type of guy that doesn't ever leave, really need to leave the game. So he just is going to get pounded and pounded and pounded. And for his sake, you know, you always want at least a chance. You know, even if it's going back to basketball, even if it's, you know, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, and John Stockton, they played in a championship. You know what I mean? You want to yeah. at least have a fighting chance. Even if you don't win one, you want to at least go deep in the playoffs. And and with this Bears team, that's years away. So you're right. Uh, don't, don't listen, don't get me the... excited. Today was NBA, NBA Media Day. Don't get me excited. I'm getting hyped up already. But I will say this. Good to see Jimmy Graham playing some NFL football, right? Seven catches, a bunch of yards. You know, he did good. We got to talk about what in the heck is happening in South Beach. They've got these celebrity owners. Warren Buffett's there wearing uh, Indomitian Sue's jersey. It is not enough. I told you Tyrod Taylor and Buffalo were going to take care of them. Hank is depressed. He can't even call into the show. He don't know what's wrong. 41-14. Now, look, you, you got to start saying something to my play cousin, Tyrod Taylor, because I told you they're for real, baby. That was so, impressive. yes, I deserve to get beat up over Tyrod Taylor. Two twenty-one for twenty-nine, two seventy-seven, and three touchdowns. A QBR of ninety-five. He's so he doing played his about as close to a perfect game as you can on the road in Miami. And you know what? He deserves all the accolades that he gets. Um, I, I'm not ready to put him into the Hall of Fame yet. But, but Tannehill overrated. That's what I want to know from you. Is Tannehill uh, overrated? You know what? I won't say that yet because let me read okay. to you his receivers. Now, Rashard Matthews had a great game, 6 for 113 yeah. and two touchdowns. But Rashard Matthews, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, a running game of Lamar Miller and Jonas Gray that can't really get it together. Jordan Cameron, who I've always loved but is underachieving like nobody's business, so I feel like he's got a bunch, and Greg Jennings, you know, way past his and prime. And Kenny Stills. He's got, but he's got talent there. But when I don't Parker's know. Playing. He's got all a bunch of 
B and C receivers, right? So, you know, they they thought that Mike Wallace was the answer to, to take the lid off the defense. Turns out that he's he's a role player. So I'm not ready to write off Tannehill. I do think Tannehill has a chance to be a, a you know an upper echelon quarterback, maybe not top five, maybe not even top ten, but but good enough, especially if you build that defense around Indomitian too. So I'm not ready to write off Tannehill just yet. Okay. Cardinals three and oh. I mean, that was a whooping. We knew, you know, poor Oren. We knew what, what Arizona would do. Telling you my, my son Elijah is like, tell uh tell uh Uncle Tal, tell Ray he, it's time to give some props. You know, you don't you don't give Arizona enough props. He said it's time for you to give him some props. They they're, they're doing Well you know what? I, I did Palmer. say this week, we'll talk about college in a sec, but I did say this week, by the time I get to Arizona, and, and, and maybe in college it didn't work out, but in the pros it sure did. And you know what? you got to be worried if you're in San Francisco because Colin Kaepernick was just completely taken out of that game. Through four interceptions, looked awful, looked confused, and we were hoping that the new Colin Kaepernick was in the house, you know, the guy that was unleashed a little bit, the guy that was back in the Nevada days, you know, the the, the, the dual threat Colin Kaepernick. And he did score one rushing touchdown. But if Carson Palmer is healthy Woo. and they got play cousins out there, Chris Johnson and David Johnson, and, it. you know, those receivers, we got Ponce de Leon, and the fountain of youth, Larry Fitzgerald, still doing things. Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, Hall of Famer for sure. And then, you know, they need more out of Floyd, but I think Brown and, and the addition of Gresham, this Arizona team, man, uh, you know. Top don't forget league. about the turnovers, the way that that defense, you know, you yeah. have two pick sixes in the first quarter. And to me, you know, the P.E. stuff, they shut, like, I shut them down, shut them down. Shut them, shut them down. That defense and Arians' aggressive nature. I listen now. Look, they haven't played. They played the Bears, Saints, and Niners. I had to even tell my son, slow down. You ain't played nobody yet. But you can only play your schedule. And I like the way they're playing football. And if Carson Palmer keeps this up, he'll make Tay a happy man as his comeback player of the year. And let's go to St. Louis. That's a mess. I don't know what to say about Foles and that team. They've never – they're like the Panthers. They refuse to ever get wide receivers for their quarterbacks, so I have no, you know, no sympathy for them. It's something upstairs in both those organizations that I just can't even – I just can't fathom. I really cannot fathom that. But good win for the Steelers. Vic holds on. The defense, more importantly for the Steelers, plays great. 12-6 when you lose your warrior – it looks like four to six weeks, probably more to six weeks, Ray. Dr. Andrews will look at it. Uh, you know, they had the MRI, but Andrews is going to look at it tomorrow. Can Vic – we really need to look up at the schedule. Maybe you can bring up the Steelers' schedule. But we, can, can Vic hold, the four, hold it down enough with Bryant coming back after next week, after Thursday's game? He'll be back for the next game. Can Vic hold it down enough? Now, remember, Gronkowski was the backup quarterback. Also, training camp, they just brought Vic in because he got hurt. So, Vic is still, like, kind of learning the system. But can he do enough to just distribute to Brown, Miller, Bell, and, and everybody? What, what do you think? So, I just pulled up the schedule. And it actually looks favorable for the Steelers. So, the next seven weeks, 
and then you get a bye in week seven. So let's assume that worst case scenario, they say four to six and Ben's a warrior, but let's say it's all seven games until your week 11 bye. And by the way, after the bye, you play Seattle, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Denver. So uh, that's yeah, a brutal schedule. Them. That's a yeah. brutal schedule after the bye. But before the bye, you have a reeling Baltimore Ravens team at home. You go to San Diego. I like you play that. the Arizona Cardinals at home. You mm. visit the Kansas City Chiefs. You have then three straight home games against Cincinnati, Oakland, an up-and-coming Oakland team, and Cleveland. So not a brutal schedule. You know, uh, I, I would I, say. I could take three or four wins there. Yeah, if you can go four and three on top of your two and one, that puts you at what six and four, and getting Ben back for that brutal stretch. I think that would be decent. And if you win one more, that would be even better. That you know, if you can go five and two, uh, wow. that would be I would, great. I would sign up for that in a minute. It's, it's not going to be easy, but you know what? They have a lot of talent. It's just the defense has got to step up, and really, you got to feed Brown Sugar and, and Le'Veon Bell. Vic's got to do quick passes, get it out to Brown. We already know uh, between Brown, Julio Jones, and now AJ, a healthy A.J. Green, three of them are unguardable. Uh, but Antonio Brown is unguardable. And Le'Veon, right now, they're putting him out at wide receiver so D'Angelo could be in the backfield. I mean, he, that kid can go anywhere. So – and listen, Gurley, I tweeted at uh, Marshall Falk because I think even though Gurley didn't do much, he did get to you know, play a little, Gurley and Bell for the next decade, they might be the, the two premier backs if everything could you know, work out nicely. Wow, so, you're already coronating Todd Gurley. hasn't even really played a, he's, played he's a full game yet. I, I, think, I think the dude will be special. I mean, listen, he might not be Leonard Fournette, but he, you know, he, he's special. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> that very soon. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, look, forget about these other two games. Congrats for Minnesota and Houston. You feel bad for Tampa, missing those field goals. You know, Winston, he, it's like they, neither, neither one of those teams between Houston and Tampa wanted to win the game. The Chargers are a mess. Adrian Peterson is just a fantasy and a real beast in real life. Him and Brady, I told you, they would be the, the payback tour for all the talk about them in the offseason. They're going to just kill people all season. Let's talk about the Eagles. You predicted this one. Give you your props. Um, this was my concern, though, Fitzy being Fitzy. When he throws the ball that much, and listen, they said they massaged Chris Ivory's quad before the game he was going to play, and then you don't see the guy. So it killed everybody for fantasy. The Eagles, Ray, they did not look good at all. It's like they won this game by default. It was an ugly win, 24-17. Marshall with that weird fumble thing. What are your thoughts on this game? And, and did Philly write the ship? Can the Jets just scratch this off as a bad loss and, and still move forward? Give me your thoughts. No, I think the Jets have fundamental issues on offense. Um, I think the they Jets. They need Decker. Yeah. They need Decker. It turns out that, you know, Brandon Marshall is a very sort of solid move the chains receiver, but he's not the explosive Brandon Marshall uh, of Denver or even of Chicago. So I think that tandem, though, of Marshall and Decker. Big receivers, you know, targets, almost like tight ends running down the field. I think those give the Jets a little bit of love. And Chris Ivory, again, not explosive, but 
and Bilal Powell, you know, serviceable. You know, I'm surprised Zach Stacy hasn't played more because I actually liked him a lot in St. Louis. But the Jets don't have, you know, we're back to the Jets problem for the last, you know, they did go to two straight AFC championship games without having any explosive players, right? I guess Braylon Edwards a little bit, but, you know, he drops the ball. So the Jets don't have explosive players. So the Jets can't really come from behind. (laughs) So the Jets really have to play from ahead, and they have to run the ball, and they have to control both lines of scrimmage. So doing that means a lot of things have to go right for you. I don't think the Jets can win in many in multiple ways. So to me, the Jets are a good team. They'll be you know maybe nine and seven, but I, they're not they're not the gangbusters that everybody was hoping for when they were two and zero. So I think they'll be good. They may make the playoffs. It'll be close in the AFC. But I think that the Jets need to be a little bit more dynamic, just like they're dynamic on defense with that blitzing packages that Bowles brings and those great corners and that great defensive line and that, you know, well above average linebacking core, they're not that way on offense. They have the talent, but I just something is missing. And and if you're gonna have a Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback or a Geno Smith, you're gonna need some dynamic playmakers at the skill positions. Yeah, Ryan I know Geno hasn't shown much but I still believe that he might get back in there because Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick. And I do like him a little bit. He knows the system, but yikes, that was ugly yesterday. But on the Carolina, not much to talk about. Look, they're 3-0. and They took care of the Saints. I think the Saints, Luke McCann played his butt off, but at the end of the day, defense, not enough weapons. It seems like none of, none of, nobody knows how to use C.J. Spiller. And I, in my head, I'm just like, oh, gosh, I would do wonders as an offensive coordinator with C.J. Spiller. The Patriots, right? Spiller could go there, and he'd be great. Because look what they do with Deion Lewis, Keyshawn Martin. Everybody's like, who is that guy? I don't know who he is. Well, he used to be a receiver for the Texans that never did anything in Houston. He goes to Brady. It's great. They annihilate the Jaguars. There's not much to say. Edelman, Brady, Amendola, props to Brady. This is the question. I threw that out there on Twitter. I think, I think we – we might have to re- redo our NFL quarterback top five of all time because I'm starting to I'm starting to feel that Brady he, he, he if, if he gets to one more or wins one more Super Bowl I'm gonna say some some heavy here he 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 passes Giuseppe and he might already be passing Giuseppe Joe Joe Montana Tom Brady is a beast on top of a wildebeest Ray it, it's incredible what he's doing 400 touchdowns. Too much. Yeah, and, and Drew Brees is too behind him, so Drew Brees is going to get there, you know, the, the game he comes back. <laughs> Look, there's nothing except for Spygate and Deflate Gate and all the gates. <laughs> you know, other than that, you really can't say that much negative about Tom Brady. I mean, it's more it's more positive about Joe Montana because – Brady, you could argue. Now, he won two Super Bowls by a field goal, but he also lost two Super Bowls by the, you know, oh, and he won an interception on the goal line, right? So you could argue he's been in six, and he could be anywhere from, you know, realistically he could be 6-0, and or he, I don't think he could be on six, but let's say he could be 2-4. and four. So, you know, being 4-2 and two is very respectable. Given that, given that you know, four of his Super Bowls were really, really, really close. Um, I, I, look, what can you say? I don't have anything but love for him. 
I, I agree with you. He might have to, if he wins another one, let's say, picture this scenario. They go, I don't even want to say they go 16-0. and 0. Let's say they go 15-1. and 1. No, that's, that's a little much. 13-3, 14-2 to another Super Bowl. Wins that Super Bowl. Five and two, maybe a, maybe a rematch against the, the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe the pa- Packers put it together. Maybe the Panthers get it together. I don't think so. But if he goes five and two, seven Super Bowls, ten what is it? Ten AFC championships. You know that is he better than Joe Montana? You gotta you gotta put a lot of credence in that argument. I, I can't. <laughs> that's, that's Tom Brady right there. You know what I mean? And and we've held firm to the fact that Joe Montana, like Michael Jordan, four and zero, Jordan six and zero, has never lost. But you know what? We keep talking about it. Doing more with less. Tom Brady had two. What was it? Two years of of Randy Moss, and in one of those years, he went eighteen and one. And other than that, and I guess Gronk, Gronkowski last last three, four years. But other than that, you got a whole lot of not so memorable players. Yeah. And we can go and from Danny Amendola to years from Montana Troy for years. Brown. I mean, look, I mean, who who is he throwing to? Dan, you know, Julian Edelman's a converted quarterback from Kent State. He's five yeah. eleven. On a good day. Nah, it's 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 amazing. So let's move on to, on on to Cincinnati, right? The Bengals three and zero. Dalton is doing things. AJ Green, ten catches, all the yards, the touchdowns. Steve Smith, Ray. I know it was dear to your heart because that dude, he almost won the game by himself for Baltimore. I gotta say, I and, and this one I predicted that they would lose and go zero and three. But it surely wasn't because of Steve Smith. And I, I, I'm going to say this. Joe Flacco, he's got a little Eli Manning in him. It's either all or nothing from season to season. Flacco does not look good. And he, he's uh, – if you move him off the pocket at all, out of the pocket, he cannot step out of – you know, he just cannot step and throw. It, it's ugly. It's ugly football. And the Bengals right now with the Patriots and Cardinals – they look like the head of the class is the complete teams in the NFL. So props to Cincinnati. That that was. Uh, we got a caller here. We'll punch in the caller. I think this is Hank. Maybe wants to talk about his Dolphins, but the Baltimore no, Ravens are in big trouble. I told you when they signed Joe Flacco that they would not win another Super Bowl. Uh, they had a miraculous run a few years ago. I think everything lined up. And thankfully, the salary cap's going up, so his money doesn't completely hamstring them. But that team is in trouble. Yeah. Caller, you so. with us? Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, that's Hank, our Dolphins fan. Yeah, we started so, off talking about your Dolphins, man. What is going on in South Beach? First of all, let, let's, let's not talk about the Dolphins. Yeah, he don't want to talk about Wow. Okay. All right. You're the well, caller. You know, if you don't want to talk about Warren Buffett's <laughs> team, we don't need to. <laughs> in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the Dolphins, it's not only the Dolphins, by the way. You can argue it's the Dolphins. It's, you're just talking about the Ravens. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of teams. Yo, these teams look like they need practice. The Jets, you know, I know you didn't talk about the Jets at all, right? The, the Jets have this great defense, but, like, 
you know, Brandon Marshall dropping balls, you know, people like missing assignments and, you know, offensive linemen missing assignments on like simple stunts and stuff like that. These teams look like they need practice. Hey, it's a CBA issue. They need to, right now, remember last year, Belichick said the first four weeks are basically the real preseason for these teams. The the offensive line is so far behind the defensive line. There's more penalties. This year they've set a record through three weeks of penalties. Last last night's game was unwatchable. Offensive lines are so far behind, and these guys need to negotiate in the CBA. They need more practice time. So that's what what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it shows, and I think I think the Dolphins are a prime example of that. I think any team, any team where you've seen lots of uh, turnover in personnel, their teams are horrible. Like just you know, pick a team, whether it's you know offensive line upheaval or it's receiver upheaval or even on the defense. You know, you guys are talking about the Ravens. Their defense is horrible. I mean, horrible. That's so secondary. It's not, it's, it's but they miss Suggs, though. Listen, all they have is Doomerville. They miss Suggs, and guess what? They surely do miss your boy Nada, who's in yes. Detroit now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, but so you, they, you, you have a good point, and, and the players walked away with feeling good about themselves, right? But the quality of the game is diminished, right? The players are like, all right, we didn't get the 18-game schedule and we held firm, you know, on, on our, you know, demands. I mean, we gave in a little bit to Roger Goodell, but what we got in exchange was less offseason, less practice. So the players were pounding their chest. That was their big win in the negotiation. But now, yep. you know, I wonder if the players are impacted by this or they don't care, right? Because well, they're like, look. They, they will care when Roethlisberger goes down. And all the and Romo goes down, and the all these quarterbacks yeah. go down. They they no, the, the league the league is on notice. It's it's a it's a serious issue, and best believe they're gonna they're gonna fix it. Hank, let me ask you this: what what's happening? Honestly, do you think besides like okay, so you have teams like I had mentioned before with Ray, the Panthers and the Rams. They don't ever want to get wide receivers for the, for the Carolina for their quarterbacks, right? And then right. look at it like Andrew Luck and the Colts. And the Colts should have, let's be honest, they should have lost that game to Tennessee. They had no business yes. winning. They didn't deserve it. 35-33, yes. Mariota played great. And this team refuses to get an offensive line for a great quarterback. So he feels like he has to do anything and everything to win a game and, and gets picked off, although that's a little in his nature. How do the Colts, like how do these GMs, but specifically now the Colts, how do they justify this to their owners and, and their fan bases? What do you think is happening in Indianapolis and, and just in general? Well, with the, with the I, I said this to Tal last week, and he thought I was exaggerating, right? Yeah. That, that GM needs to be fired. Yes. You know, it, it's, one thing, it's one thing if you draft for needs on your team, and for whatever reason, the players don't pan out, like uh, – like Kansas City, for example, right? So Kansas City drafts, um, what's this guy's name, Eric Fisher, you know, yeah. left, left tackle of the future. And you know what? He was from a small school, and he was kind of a little overrated. Okay. You know what? You tried. You drafted towards needs. He didn't pan out. But, you know, the Colts have had every opportunity to improve their offensive line and their defensive line. Right. And you don't take the first round. That's just stupid. 
Yeah, but it's, it, well, it's not only drafting, though, right? It's also free agency, too, right? Why are you wasting money and time trying to pick up Andre Johnson and Frank Gore, you know, like, why do that? You've got T.Y., you've got Moncrief, who, you know, is kind of the man. Like, yeah. you need to block, and it's both sides, by the way. You know, <laughs> your, best, your best pass rusher was out the entire year last year, <laughs> and yeah. you still didn't improve the defensive line. And, oh, and he's, what, 36 or something like that. Exactly. Robert Mathis. Yeah, it, it, it's just crazy, you know. Which it's, is funny because in the Peyton Manning era – what they always did, they may have sacrificed defense, but they always protected Peyton Manning. They always they gave him the best, you know, food in the kitchen. The cupboard was always full for Peyton. So even within the organization, you feel like they've changed their philosophy. Now, granted, personnel's changed. Bill Polian's not there anymore and so forth. But they always took care of their guy. Their number one asset is Andrew Luck. Right. You've got to set and him up to succeed. Exactly, but and the way to do that is to not is get. Hank, I mean, Ursay's issue, or do you blame it? Because to me, Chuck Pavano is, is a great coach. He, it's not his fault. It's more great. I think uh, it's the GM. the GM. I think it's the and GM. So, yeah, I mean, to me, don't I fire the, the GM. Coach. You got to get the GM out of there. Yeah, you got to fire the GM because you know what? Not for nothing, but you know, the owner owns the team, and you, there's nothing you can do about that. And he was high all last year and suspended, so. <laughs> The GM supposed to be well. That was where I was going. Is that's a problem because he's not on his business. So then it doesn't matter what the GM is doing, or he's not paying attention. Look, this, this, in life, right? It, it, when they say that uh, the responsibility and the, the leadership it comes from the very top, it really does. And so when you've got uh, you know sort of Mickey Mouse going on over there, you're starting to see it. Listen, they got. Let's be honest. They got very lucky to get Andrew Luck. They did. They got lucky to get Andrew Luck. And what Ursay should have done is to get a GM who knows what he's doing. And you know what? Look, he failed. I mean, look, these, these owners are not geniuses. And trust me, you know, I'm, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, right? These owners are not geniuses. Yeah. You just got to try to hire guys who know what they're doing and then let them do their thing. And you know what? This GM had a choice. Let me throw out a question to both of you guys. How many free agent offensive linemen were there this year? There were a lot. I mean, the Bengals just signed Whitworth like two days ago, right? And he was was their left tackle, and they just signed him. You know, there was a guard that went to uh, Atlanta, right? It was Atlanta. Oh, there were guys out there. There were guys out there that could have got There were guys out there. Let me ask you guys this. Let me throw something out there. Andrew Luck has got to carry this team on offense. Andrew Luck is also throwing a lot of interceptions and making some bad decisions. Do you think that because his offensive line is underperforming, that he's developing bad habits? Is this worrisome to you? Of course. It's, you know, it's more – it's not – well, okay. The answer is yes. It's not so much the bad habits. It's that, you know – the reason why a lot of these interceptions are happening is because he's getting hit. And when quarterbacks get hit, they flinch or they throw the ball too early or they throw it when their feet are not set. So, you know, I don't want to blame Andrew Luck for this happening. Like, the guy's not Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. anybody who's, who gets hit, 
is gonna is gonna flinch, and then is gonna have problems. I don't care who he is. But so let me I know they, this though. Where where Ray was going with that, the one thing I'll say: one, when someone's I don't believe in sort of the bad habits, but what can start to develop, and, and I see this with him. Uh, I don't know if it was the second or third intercept or second intercept. I don't know. It, it, he threw it off one leg, and so you know there was some pressure. But the thing is with him, he's getting this whole hero complex, and I think that's why they wanted Johnson and Gore and Dorsett. They wanted to just kind of like do the Harrison and Reggie Wayne and, 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 you know, and Edron James and give him a plethora of talent, but they didn't do it from you build your team from in and out, not out in. And so that shows where the GM doesn't know where he's doing because yeah, Gore sort of helps with the running game, but look, even Gore can't get free because the line can't block for him either. Exactly. So they, they got to fix all that up. We can leave the coach alone, but Hank, before we get the college football and let you go, I got to ask you this. Ray's team, Ray didn't believe in him, and maybe he was right without, I mean, in most teams, right, without your quarterback and receiver, you can't win. But how do they start off with three rushing t- touchdowns, 28 points, you know, 28-17 at the half, and then in the second half, they run for, I think, negative four yards or four yards, something crazy. The Cowboys, it seems like, whether it's Wien or, or, or even, you know, sometimes they do this with Romo, it's almost like they forget what's good in terms of running even behind that great line and then let Atlanta just come back in and swoop in and, you know, and take the, take the game away. Cowboys should have really yeah. they could have won that game yesterday. What are you yeah, about? I mean, you see this happening. I mean, look, the Dolphins do this. The Giants do it all the time. <clears throat> I think you see, you know, offensive, offensive play callers kind of get caught up in the moment during the game. Brandon Whedon, not for nothing, completed like his first eight passes, right? Played so very well. Yeah. I, think they got, I think they got too comfortable. And when you just solely react to the defense, I mean, frankly – Seattle Seahawks at the end of the Super Bowl, if all you're doing is reacting to the defense and be like, oh, well, these guys are still going eight in the box. So, you know, we've got to throw it because we can get guys open. Our quarterback's playing well. I think you kind of get caught up in the moment where you try to get too cute and try to have a – because every team wants to have a diversified offense and, and try to abuse the defense that gets set up for them. And as opposed to saying, oh, there's eight in the box, let's run the ball anyway, you know, they got caught up in the moment. And it happens all the time in the NFL. It's not, it's not a cowboy issue, you know. No, no, definitely. And, so, and, so, hey, let me ask you this. Before we let you go, you know the, the teams that are undefeated. But, yeah. you know, it's obvious in terms of, like, Patriots, Packers, Broncos. But one of those other teams, tell me one, whether it's the Cards, the, the Panthers, Falcons, tell me one of them that you actually are surprised and that you, you've changed your mind and now you're starting to believe in them. Mm. It's an interesting question. If I had to pick one team that I'm surprised the most about how well they're doing this year, well, besides the Raiders, because the Raiders are 2 and one by the way. Yes, yes. Props to Don't tell anybody. That's the, that's the secret. So I don't want to – 
I mean, the Raiders is the obvious answer. I mean, believe it or not, I picked up I picked up Carr when Tony Romo went down for me in my fantasy team. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm going to keep him there. So, look, all right, so let's forget about the Raiders, even though you shouldn't because they're 2-1. I yeah. actually think that um, Atlanta, I think, is the biggest surprise because you've got a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, and if you look at how they play, they're not really doing anything super complicated. You know, like Matt Ryan is, is lighting it up, but, you know, they're doing like, you know, with with suspect running backs, they're doing like max protection plays, and just having two two man routes and just killing folks. That surprises me that that they could make such a quick turnaround, even though the division is whack, such a quick turnaround so fast from being pretty much horrible last year. Yeah, and and but to to their credit, and again, I I think they're overrated, right? They're three and zero. They're not going to go thirteen and three, but no, they no. they came back against the Giants and the Cowboys. And probably had those two teams been at full strength and been a little stronger, they may have held them off, you know, Heisman style. And Atlanta might be one and two right now, or two and one. So I, I'm still unclear on Atlanta, but I hear you though. You're right. With no gimmickry, same personnel more or less. A little bit, little bit of well, changes on defense. But isn't it? The- Give Quinn his props because I think he's brought in a lot of that mindset from Seattle, and they're they're faster, they're lively, they 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 hit. The defense is all over the field. I think, you know, it's a mindset, a philosophy, and so I, yeah, I, have I think to it's a mindset and a philosophy, and it's a big change. I think Paul's right. Right, they're not gonna they're not gonna go eight and zero, nine and zero, but they no. weren't that much better. They weren't that much better than you know Jacksonville and you know and New Orleans and all the crappy teams out there, they weren't that much better than, you know, okay, maybe they were better than the Raiders, but not that much better. So let's just say, let's just say that they go nine and seven this year. That's a massive turnaround. No, for sure. And yeah. nine and seven could, and nine and seven, by the way, could win that division because oh, yeah. Carolina is not that good. No, but Cam, oh, Cam. All right, yeah. hey, thanks for calling in, man. We're going to get to some college. Yeah, man. Call. Have a good one, man. Yeah, call right. us back too, and and don't don't be afraid. You know, we won't talk yeah. about your dolphins if you don't ha- if you don't want us to. Yeah, I have nothing don't intelligent. Be... I have nothing intelligent to say about the dolphins. <laughs> I wish I did. And so it's a great call. Thanks, Hank. All right, Hank. Appreciate it. Ray, real quick, let's bang out this top ten, and I got a question for you for fifteen down. Ohio State, number one, Michigan State, Ole Miss. And, you know, they had a close battle, but Ole Miss, three. TCU in that crazy game drops down to four. Baylor, five. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, they keep on doing it, Ray, six. Seven, UCLA, UCLA, great blowout. Georgia, eight. LSU and the Heisman winner. We're just going to give it to them. Fournette at nine. And Utah at ten. Now, there's some new teams. I'm not going to say anything. I want to hear what you think. But let's just look. 15 down of this 25, who out of these new teams in there or some of the teams, you know, 15 down, you know, Northwestern, I I don't even want to say anything. All the guys in there, who do you think is going to make a serious run from that 
16 to 25 that could potentially make it to a playoff. So just a couple of notes, too, before I get into that real quick. Alabama is 13th. I know. And Texas A&M, an undefeated Texas A&M team, is 14th. So, Great win, too, against Arkansas. Yeah, years. so keep, keep your eye on those guys. Look, you know, I didn't think that they would have the juice, and I apologize to all of our listeners out there in L.A., but the UCLA – I mean, sorry, the USC Trojans are 3-1. and one, Took care of business in Arizona. So <sighs> keep your eye out on them. Catch Our luck. guy David Shaw, friend to the show. I don't know that they're that good, but they're three and one at number eighteen. And good. Oklahoma State, an undefeated four and old team, getting no real love at twenty. And our but boys Texas blew at- another game, right? Remember, Texas keeps finding ways to lose. I know, I know. Our boys at Michigan blow yeah. out, and we thought it'd be a close game, thirty-one nothing. And then arguably the best quarterback in the nation, even in your boy Cody Kessler's conference, Jared Goff's leading his Cal Bears to a 4-0 record. So I would say that if you go under 15, you know, starting with Northwestern at 16, I don't think that any of these guys are going to make a push for the national championship. But they may – they may go nine and three. They may determine who makes that final four. So I have my eye you on the You don't even think USC's got a shot? Still, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think they could even come through the Pac-12. It's just. So, it's just so hard. That we just said that Pac-12 champion might have two, maybe three losses. Right. I gotta agree with you in terms of the losses. The Pac- first of all, props to Mississippi State, Spank Auburn, Michigan, West Virginia killed my turps. Florida in a great comeback. Tennessee and Butch, uh, that was a disgusting loss. Florida, great win for them. They're back in the top 25. It feels like it's been forever for Gator Nation. But Ray, and you got to give props to Northwestern, but this, you got Notre Dame Clemson coming up, so that's going to be a battle. But to smack down at Utah, put on Oregon, and knock Oregon out of the top 25, is is it basically going to be, I think it's November... 21st, Utah, UCLA, is that probably going to be for the for all the marbles? You know, it might be. We have, for the last four or five years, whether it was Chip Kelly and now Mark Helfrich, we've almost penciled Oregon in to the Pac-12 championship. Oh, and this not is no the more. year, not anymore. This is the year where those two teams in Arizona – um, you've got Utah, you've got a USC, you got a Stanford maybe at three and one can can turn it around. This Pac-12 is wide open, and you know what? Oregon might sneak back around, and maybe this is the best thing for Oregon to get hungry no. again. Ray, I, I think from, I think it's done for them with Vernon not being healthy, and they had to wind up uh, you know benching him. But it seems as if it's not the same defense. Remember, Utah's not that offensively explosive, and they put up, what was it, 52? I mean, that, them. That, was, that was criminal. I mean, criminal. The, way, <laughs> the way that the Arizona teams lost, let's be honest, neither one of us thought that 
you know, you thought they'd both win. I, I you know, I had a uh, Utah sixty-two. Sorry, that was sixty-two. Sorry, 62. I, I didn't mean to disrespect yeah. them. Sixty-two, but I mean, those were brutal, brutal losses for U of A and ASU at home. They they got spanked. You know, I look at this and I'm still shocked, especially at Arizona. You know, I thought Arizona State would 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 you know maybe I went out on on the on the limb, but I really yeah, thought reason, Arizona would. I, I just wanted to stir the pot a little bit, but I really <laughs> thought Arizona would win the game. I didn't think that Rosen and Perkins had enough to go in to Tucson against Arizona team, and now Solomon got hurt, and and, and yeah, but, that but that wasn't him. even relevant. That's not why they lost. They no, got but you see his defense stepped up without Jack, and that was huge. They you did. Listen, Mora is is one heck of a coach. We, we Playoffs. That's his father. Yeah, but I still had to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, he, listen, what he's done, it's uh, it's legitimate, and I'm happy for Michigan, man. Look, we we respect that BYU program. The heck out of that way they play football. But what Michigan did to me, that shows the brilliance of a good or dominating head coach. And then let me tell you. For all the Wolverine fans out there, and you know, two of them hosting this show, they are ahead of schedule. And guess what? The Big Ten this year, Ohio State and Michigan State, they are going to have to deal with a much improved, you know, a steady Wisconsin, a much improved Michigan, and a much improved Northwestern. So the Big Ten is not just a giveaway this year. It really is. I would agree with that. You know, so. I don't know, Ray. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of hyped up, but let, let, let's for a minute. Let's give a little props before we get to baseball. Let's give a little props to you know, Boykin. You know, TCU's defense was rough, but Boykin's day was ridiculous. Four seventy-five. Kessler for three seventy-five. Leonard Fournette and Chubb. Uh, uh, is there anybody else? Maybe Perkins from UCLA. Anybody else you could think of to prevent these guys from? quite frankly, just being automatics to, to, you know, with health, of course, and we stay, you know, for their health, being basically in New York in December for the Heisman. No, I can't see it. Um, the only thing I'll say is Chubb might lose out to Fournette only because, you know, same conference and, and Fournette's just running away with, you know, the, the rushing title for the big, you know. How he knocked the Syracuse uh, guys, like, it's like he was throwing guys off of him. Like He's 50. really something special. <laughs> you know, he is – I mean, he what is he, Adrian Peterson and – Meets uh, Walker. <laughs> a bigger, yeah, bigger – I mean, maybe Eric he's Dickerson because he's kind of long and lanky yeah, and – but oh my he's God. big at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ooh. this guy, ooh, this guy is the real deal. And and you know what? We need to give Nick Chubb some credit. This oh, yeah. guy, 12 straight 100-yard yeah. games, ties a 53-year-old mixed martial arts ex-football player that does 750 push-ups and 2,000 sit-ups a day, Herschel Walker. And, and Herschel said he could know, still play, Ray, by the way, and I Herschel believe him. Herschel did say that. And, and, yeah. and I, you know, he could do five, ten snaps. I could, I, I could, I could see that. But <laughs> let me tell you something. We have a lot of young fans to the show, and you need to go back and 81, 82, 
Go look at tapes of a young man by the name of Herschel Walker at the University of Georgia. This guy was unbelievable, and it took the late Joe Paterno to beat him in a championship game, Penn State, I think that was, what, 82, when it was Herschel left, Herschel right. And really, this guy was about as unstoppable as a player has been in college. And so go look at what dominating running backs look like. And so when we say Leonard Fournette, or or Nick Chubb specifically, because he's a Georgia guy, what he's doing, tying Herschel's record, that's amazing. And give this kid some credit. It gives me chills when you say it, because only only guys I think about like that were so special. Herschel, Bo Jackson, maybe George Rogers, you know what I mean? Like, they were, I mean... Barry Sanders was pretty special. Well, yeah, no, I'm sorry. And uh, it was great to see his son with two touchdowns to Stanford look at, you know, and he's not even the the head tailback there. The other kid is a big two, McCafferty. So, you know, it's just great. College football is is on fire right now. We'll be talking about it, obviously, on Friday, you know. And, look, Dak Prescott's still around, right? He's in the top 20, you know, top 25 or 21. It's exciting. There's so many talented teams and players. Oh, good Jared thing is, Goff. Right? That's the other guy that you got to talk oh, to. He'll, he'll throw up some crazy stats. So well, he'll, he'll be up there. Kid, not only could he be the number one pick, but he, if if Cal in that tough Pac-12 could, you know, get a very competitive record, because they're not the greatest team, but if they can, you know, do some things, maybe upset some guys, maybe Jared Goff gets to New York too, Ray. That's a good point. You're right. Yeah, I think so, he will. I think he'll have yeoman stats. Okay. So a few minutes left, Ray. We have – this is it. We're, we're saying goodbye to September. Hello to Octubre. And it's time for baseball to end. The boys of summer are putting down the bats and the gloves. And then the men of October take over. Everything is almost set. In the national, it's simple. Cards or Pirates will win that division. The Pirates have an outside shot. They play in tonight. Three games against the Cardinals. There's three out. There's six games left. We'll see what happens. The AL, Ray. The Rangers pulled away. They took care of Houston over the weekend, so let's give them props. Um, you know, they, they basically handled that. They're up two and a half. It looks like it's pretty much over. But the wild card, Astros are only a half a game up on the Angels and I think, what, a full game up on Minnesota? This is going to be exciting. The last six games. What do you think is going to happen? Oof. So it really comes so it really down, comes to, down to, the to the Astros, Angels, and Twins. Yes. I've said all along that the Astros are going to make the playoffs, and I hate to go back on my word, but I think the Angels. I have a feeling that – Mike Sosha, the veteran manager. And it's not bad to have the best player in baseball in Mike Trout. And you've got some guys on that team that know how to win and freeze. I just have a feeling that your Los Angeles Angels, the team that I actually thought would win that division, is going to come in and sneak past the Astros, hold off the Twins, and get that wild card. The second wild card, right? The Yankees have the first one. 
Wow. So, honey, so you said you, you think the Angels are going to do it? The Angels, yeah. Angels and Yankees. You know what? I don't have the schedules in front of me, but I believe the Astros are on the road for these six games. I'm not too sure. I think you might be right because, let's be honest, the Astros have not been playing good ball. I mean, they went on a streak where they had lost, like, I think eight in a row. They they haven't yeah, Keiko and been, Kazmier got hit back-to-back. Back, oh, they got brutalized. And, you know, it, it, it's rough. They're 29 and 46 on the road. And it, I just and, – And even Keiko, what is he, like 14 and 1 at home and, like, three and nine on the road or some craziness like that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in trouble. Let me give you their schedule, too. Right, they the won their last two. Angels got well, the one thing going for the Angels, sorry, the one thing going for the Astros is they have an easy schedule, except the opponents are easy, except that it's on the road. They go six on the road. They go three in Seattle and three in Arizona. Yes, that's where it was. Yeah, they're coming out here. By the time I get to, well... It's not easy to win in Arizona, and they're playing poorly on the road. And Seattle, listen, ugh, those are two teams you might not want to play against. And their bats have cooled down. I'll tell you this, getting those last two wins, they lose the first game, so that didn't help them against Texas. But getting those last two, maybe that gives them momentum for them to hold on. But the Angels are hot right now, and the Twins look like they're kind of ready to fall off. They lost their last two. So, yeah, I got to give you the Angels. If we're doing the okay. so, so the biggest issue for the Angels now, the Angels have played one one less game, so it must have been a rain out or something. Yeah. So the Angels actually have home. They play Oakland three at home, and then they play four in Texas. So could be tough. The only issue, though, let me look at the standings. If those games don't mean anything, Texas might be positioning themselves for the ALCS already, or ALDS. Right. Well, so they have a tougher schedule, the Angels. Are they at Texas, right? At Texas, yeah. they they the home to the uh, A's and then at Texas. Yeah, the Rangers, you're right, the Rangers won't have much to play for, and right now, let's be honest, the Athletics have, have rolled over and given up. That that favors the Angels. Hey, listen, let's not forget. I think what Pujols hit his 39th homer the other night or whatever. So if Trout is uh, you know worth it and they can get some pitching, uh, Angels could be dangerous to get in there, right? They could yeah, be for sure, to get for in sure. So. And then real quick, we got to do the National League, and then we got to talk about our, our real quick our picks for tomorrow night. So I got to think in the National League, it's it's all set. Do you think any any surprises? I mean, it looks like Pittsburgh and no, – I, I don't think Pittsburgh will be able to do it. I think it's set. <clears throat> but real quick, Monday night football, we got to pick that and Thursday. Packers tonight hosting the Chiefs. I got to be honest, I love the Chiefs. I love their defense. It's in the rain. But I just think my man, who I need to get big things, James Jones, Eddie Lacy's playing. I think the Packers win – 31-21 over the Chiefs. 
I like that. I think Jamal Charles does some things. Uh, yeah. I think they force Alex Smith into a couple of touchdown, uh, a couple of interceptions. So same thing. I think they put up big. I think they win 33-24. Green Bay still can't stop the run, but I think they're just far too explosive on offense. And then next Thursday. Thursday. Oh yeah, you're licking your chops. The 0 and 3 Baltimore Ravens go to the 2 and 1 Pittsburgh Steelers. I smell 0 and 4. I think for the Thursday game they'll rally around Vic. I think things are not looking good in Baltimore. It's already a tough game. It's a rivalry game, and I'm sure Steve Smith will go off a little bit on us. But at the end of the day, it's going to be Le'Veon left, Le'Veon right, D'Angelo right, Le'Veon out of the backfield. And that secondary, Ray, uh, Hank said it, Antonio will get away from them a couple of times, and they'll pay for it. Steelers win a little bit of a slugfest, I'll say uh, 20 to 13. I think Baltimore's in trouble. I think that they were lucky to score almost any points. I mean, they had that big interception return, but they just look awful on offense. They just cannot do it, and I think the Steelers did a great job of holding it down this week on defense. They'll do a great job next week. I think the Steelers win. Uh, Steelers will have trouble scoring. I think they'll have a difficult time transitioning to Vic, but I think they still win 24-10. Who you got for the fantasy stud? Fantasy stud in that Pittsburgh Steelers game, I think, is Le'Veon Bell. I think that Antonio Brown's stats come down a lot. And he was like stud o meter eleven, and now he's stud o meter nine. And I think that uh, Le'Veon Bell picks up the slack. I agree, and I got Le'Veon as well. Fantasy stud for tonight's Monday night game. Who you got? Aaron Rodgers all day. He spreads it out, and he'll get everybody involved. Does Macklin finally break the wide receiver streak though, and get one touchdown to the Chiefs? Well. No, I think Green Bay can't protect the run, and so I think that it's more likely Jamal Charles will do work. Look for Niles Davis as well. I'll say my fantasy stud is Aaron Sue. He throws for four touchdowns, and I'm hoping to go to James Jones, baby. Let's go. All right, we had a great show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Hank, for calling, and we'll catch you at the end of the week. Look, you're right.